One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. All right, lads, we have so much to get through today. There's no chance we're going to keep this to an hour. We've Aidan Forker coming up on the show and we've Cheddar coming up on the show and we've got a whole load of uh, club games to get through. But there's only one place to start and that has to be Mahari's um, surprise rather than shock um, win in Armagh. It's the first time Cross have been defeated in a final since 1982. Um, and an incredible stat that Niall McCoy from Gaelic Life had. Wait till you hear this. So today... It's yesterday, it was Cross McGlenn's 40th county, provincial or All-Ireland final since 1996. That's an incredible stat in itself. Mm-hmm. They only, before yesterday, they only lost one of them. It was the 09 All-Ireland final um, to Kilmacug Croaks Con. And we're talking about Mahary almost doing the impossible since 1996. Really? Like, it, it really is. Like, Cross McGlenn get the finals and, and they win and they usually, they usually hammer teams like... That's including 11 Ulster finals in that as well. They played a team from yeah. six different counties. And like most of those games, well, they, they weren't decided by one score. Like, you know, Cross McGlenn had just beaten the teams by five, six, seven points and, and went through their like Armagh titles as well. So it was 21 titles since 96. And only four of them were decided by one score. They were just hammering teams. Like, and they, just, they had that aura and that assurance when they get to a final. They, they win and like that really does show the scale of it. For, for Mahari to do it in Armagh, not an All Ireland final, they do it here. Like shows like how much they had to sort of come up to that level. Exactly. And like, I mean, to be fair to Mahari, they won it for the first ever time in 2016, but they didn't beat Cross McGlenn that year. Uh, Kulihana beat Cross McGlenn in the semi final, and then Mahari went and beat them in the final, Connor. So, like, I mean, this is just almost perfection for Mahari to win it for the second ever time, you know, four years later, but to get Cross in the final and beat them. 
nearly like uh, there's an asterisk on any title in Armagh if you don't be again <laughs> on the way, isn't there? And the way they won it too, I mean, like I know they got four goals in the end, but they were behind at uh, they're behind at half time. And when you're behind to a team that hasn't lost hasn't lost their own county title since 1982 and hasn't lost a county title hasn't lost any any final of note or one final of note was it since 1996? That's absolutely crazy. So you can imagine the belief in the character that uh, that Mary had to have to bring it home. Like I remember, did, I did say. That uh, I think Mahari beat them in the league just after uh, just after the games came back and uh, after lockdown or whether that game was going to matter anything. But uh, so they did have that kind of history beating Crossland again uh, not too long ago. But uh, at the manner in, the, in which in which they won it was fantastic and just again just great to see that there was you know they had a lot of they well so many fans there to see maybe four hundred at the at the ground to watch it. But it makes so much of a difference when you're so used to watching games behind closed doors these days. So it's just a breath of fresh air. Four, three of the four goals were great goals, uh, Conan. Uh, Brendan Heaveron was with an early goal. They went 1-1 to no score up. This was just a rocket uh, from the wing back who came up supported. Brian Fox's goal is going to be the most underrated goal of the day because he'd lost control of it and he was kind of soccer style. Apparently he's a soccer player flicked it under the goalie. But whoever flicked the ball up into his hands to get him away, I couldn't tell what number it was. Um, it looked like a subs number. It was just a lovely little death flick to send him away, put it over. And then Aidan Forker's uh, goal, which was sensational. And like, I mean, you're talking about catching a mark. You can easily tap that over there. But, uh, you know, goals win games. They got four. And for me, Forker's goal was the goal that would make you think that this was definitely something they talked about is we need goals to beat the... There were so many things with that Forker goal as well that you couldn't have liked if he had a tucked the other option. So he could have taken, the, could have yeah. taken the mark, he could have fist-passed it over or he could have fist-passed it across to, to Ronan Lappin, I think, who who wasn't too happy that he didn't pass it to him and he didn't even look impressed when the ball hit the net. He just had his hand <laughs> out. And like, he got his goal and after, I think that's the one that you're saying it wasn't that good. It was just a, a palmed in. But um, but that like that goal from Forker, I think, and that can fairness to Fox one as well, it summed up what sort of attitude that Mahari brought. Like they, they were going at them and they probably sensed we need to get goals here to win this. He got four and they only won by four in the end. So like that's probably the best bit of evolution I think has happened over the last few years is players forwards turning on the ball and just going at players because some of them will let you buy if you go at them with enough intent and like that was great to see. Yeah, well, exactly. Which is just just as well we we're talking about Aidan Forker because he's after joining us on the line here. Aidan, we're talking about your goal and how much trouble you would have been in if that hadn't hit the back of the net because you had a man over. <laughs> yeah, um, funny. He pulled me. He pulled me after the game and said, "Did you hear what I was shouting to you?" <laughs> and I said, "No." And he goes, "You're lucky you scored that." He wasn't congratulating me. He says, "You're lucky you scored that there because I was clean through." <laughs> no, but well, thankfully, thanks, thankfully, it went in. Well, it did went in, but this is the thing, um, Aidan, and I'm wondering, like, did you talk about goals? Were they a big focus for you? Because you had a handy attacking mark there, which, you know, at that stage of the game would have been nice to tap over. But, like, it was in your head the minute you caught that goal. Yeah, no, listen, all credit probably to Finn Moe. He never really has coached the mark too much. And he sort of, I actually had taxed him last Saturday night and said, you know, big week coming up. Anything you think I need to work on or focus on, give me a shout, like. And he pulled me in training on Sunday and said, you know, think about, don't just be content and then winning the ball, taking a mark or winning the ball and chipping, going under your left foot. He says, take the ball and try and dip down and underneath and, and go direct and see what it opens up for you. So um, that was sort of in my head all week. And um, I, I tried it a couple of times in the game and they never really come off, but 
thankfully I knew it was one on one and it was a, a good ball that I watched coming in and, and listen, I was just I was just hoping to get it on target to be honest with you. What was going through my head, I'm just gonna smash it here and thankfully I went into the corner. Yeah, just it was a brilliant goal for a corner back anyways. I'll talk I'll talk to you about that. Um <laughs> But attacking like, cornerback I'm an attacking cornerback I don't know what geezers thinking but I'm going to get onto that in, in a little while I was reading we are reading a stat there on the show um, it was Cross McGlenn's 48th county provincial or All-Ireland final since 1996 so they're in mm-hmm. 40 since 1996 and the only one they lost was to McCood, the All-Ireland final uh, lost they hadn't right. lost the final in Armagh since 82 like were, were, the, were you aware of these kind of stats before before the game? No, not really. There wasn't any chat of it at all, to be honest with you. And um, Mahari boys sort of, I'd say to Mahari, they don't really care too much. They don't really follow. Like some boys wouldn't, some boys wouldn't. So I'd say maybe half of us boys would have maybe known some of the stats around Cross's record and finals. And um, and if it did rear its head, it wouldn't be long being put to bed by Finn. And, you know, he, he's a good man for making sure that we're just focusing on ourselves, you know. And, um Listen, records are to be broken. It's, a, it's an incredible record and an incredible team, an incredible club, obviously. And, you know, um, we're just glad to be on the right side of it. You know, I think the stars aligned yesterday. We were going well all week and um, all the niggles were cleared up that, that a lot of clubs seem to have at the minute. And, um, you know, the stars were aligning. You nearly didn't want to admit to yourself that um, it, was, it was going to be a good day because you felt so good going into it. But, um, the goals, the goals um, proved that you know the winning of the game. Like the the, the goal, uh, Fox's goal just before half time was a, a really important goal. Like I'm sure the half time team talk, there was a, a a lot more belief in it than there might have been had you been you know four down. Yeah, no, listen, uh, the goal came at critical times. Yeah, yeah, it was it was five or six at one stage, and um, you know that's the cross like they just keep chipping points, and before you know it, the year six or seven down before you realise it, thinking that they're still in the game, you know. But um, no, like we knew cross are big starters, and we were lucky we got the goal at the start, and then we got the goal at the stroke of um, that before the break there, and um, that kept us, you know, against the wind within touchedness and so them and playing down the hill and. We knew we had to go for broke then on the kickouts and try and press them as much as we can. And, and we had a purple patch and we sort of never really looked back. We just sort of keep kept that distance, thankfully. Yeah. So where's this team come from, um, Aidan? Like, I mean, I was looking like there's no huge underage success coming up through the ranks or anything. No. Um, Maha is a wee small community. There's probably um, 200 homes in around this area. Like, so, um, and, and a lot less families, you know. But... Um, no, this listen is probably the golden era for this club. Like you know, we we would have good quality coming through in ones and twos, but never really right. as in a in a team sort of setting. Um, yeah. Underage never really had much success. Always playing at um, sort of intermediate level, and um, maybe uh, even us boys coming through. We all we had an amalgamated team, so we had to amalgamate with with another club to you know obviously make up the numbers. So you know we were a product of that system and. Uh, no, listen, we always produce good footballers and, and it's just about trying to bring one or two through at a time. And, you know, there's a good um, spread of age ranges in the team and boys have been about the block for maybe 20 years and, and boys who are just coming through and um, they're all sort of come together and, and a good metal part of a team there the last five or six years. And we were just trying to capitalise it. It would just been a shame if only you had, had won one championship, you know, and we sort of had a few... A wee bit of hurt from the 2017 final that we we didn't do justice in the second half, and 
you know, thankfully we sort of righted a few wrongs then yesterday. Yeah, you definitely did. And I suppose the one you won in 16, um, you didn't beat Cross McGlenn on the way. That was done for you. You know, then you beat Kuliana, wasn't it? Uh, Kuliana. Yeah, yeah. And then you beat them yeah. in the final. So I suppose this is just a perfect championship to win now. Yeah, no, it was, that was, there was a lot of chat about that after. And, you know, you had a, heard a few murmurs of people saying that you didn't beat Cross that year and stuff <laughs> like that. And, um, but your championship mile is a championship mile. You can only beat what's in front of you. And, um, the year we were beat, the year we were beat in the final in seventeen, we'd beat them in the sem- we'd beat Cross in the semi final, you know. And um, listen, we've had a great, great thing dust battles with them over the last number of years, like, and it's been always nip and tuck and good competitive games. Great to be involved with a with a big club like Cross McGlenn and a, a wee club like ourselves, you know. It's, it's great to be competitive, like, and um, our boys weren't weren't content in just being competitive you know there's a lot of winners and warriors in our team Nick and yeah. um, we showed that yesterday to be fair you've, you've, You mentioned Finney and uh, Moriarty who's your, who's, he's your manager this year what, what's he brought to the setup? Oh listen Finn's I know I've played with Finn yeah. um, and, and, and he's a teammate of mine and um, he's obviously stepped away from playing and obviously has aspirations of going on and coaching and it was sort of a it was an element of risk at the time when when uh, our other manager had won us the championship in 2016 took us to the final in 17 and he sort of felt like he took us as far as he could and then um, a few of the boys had met and and Finn's name was thrown into the table and you know I, I my my only input there was saying look you could find Finn in a county job in 15 years time and regret not giving him a chance at the start yeah. of his own coaching career you know and. You know that sort of made up their mind. He went and apparently he interviewed quite well and he showed a great appetite. But listen, he's absolutely meticulous in his preparation, the same as he was as a player. And you know, no stone was left unturned, and very much a, a player, player-driven type of type of leadership. And uh, and his analysis and his his coaching was sort of second to none. You know, and you know we have a good group of leaders in this team. are really trying to push the thing on. And Finn was always saying, "This is your team." And whatever I can do to facilitate that and, and you know it was just really what our boys needed it was a real breath of fresh air you know Right fantastic so, so what, how were the celebrations last night like I mean you're, the pubs and everything are open for you so there's no there's no hiding around corners or pretending you're eating a dinner for nine euros or whatever the rest of the team Aye well there was, a wee, there was a wee bit of that there was a wee bit of that because uh, our club was closed they made a call during the week that they were going to close the club no matter what happened so our, our club Why? was very small so it was because um, the whole COVID thing, you know. Um, <laughs> well, I know that, but, but why, why? Like, they're just because of the report. Go on. And ke- just because they've been the people, people flocking to the place, if, no matter what, if you're the one, one loser yeah. draw. So they sort of had to make a call on it. It's a very small, very small uh, club, you know. And well, that was, the club, that, was the, of, that was the club bar, was it? Or the club house? Yeah, yeah, the right, club social right. club, you know. Okay. Um, where everyone would have went originally so we ended up um, going to the community hall and um, the players sat down for a date to eat and then we had a bit of a parade walking down to the main pitch and everyone was outside fully social distance of course and uh, <laughs> and and did all that and the, the crack was good it was a lovely evening it was lovely and warm the sun was shining and uh, everyone was on a high it was great Right, okay. So, like, I mean, it was comparable to 16. I suppose 16 was just crazy in, in comparison. You could maybe enjoy uh, the night. Yeah. yeah, enjoy the night a bit better. Yeah. Maybe, or... Oh, no, listen, it was it was just, uh, you know, that sense of contentment. You know, you did yourself justice and you, you were, you were, 
you know, you knew you could you knew you could win it. You know, 2016 there was maybe an element of you know that we lacked belief. You know, the club had never won before, won before, and it's and there was a wee bit of that. You know, in the back of your head, are, are we ever going to get one? But once that was over in 2016, you know, we 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 didn't lack belief from any other year from then on in. And yesterday we didn't lack any belief, you know. You know, but yeah, no, listen, it was different. It was different as it was going to be, but it was still special. Like you know, just having a few beers and you know knowing that you've you've went to the pinnacle of of, of the county or the club scene um with, with your friends and your family it's it's special yeah so you scored one three yesterday like an absolutely brilliant goal fielding it over your head turning your man sticking it into the bottom corner and you kick two other points from play um and now you're going to go back training with the county team to manmark uh the best player on another team how are you going to get your head or how are you going to get your head around this uh um no listen i haven't really given much thought obviously it's in the back of your head um when you're training away and with the club that the county's coming up and i'm obviously back and forth for the boys a lot so um chatting away so Listen, it'll be a transition back. Um, you never know what what Kieran has in his head for you, but he's a funny way of convincing you whatever he needs done. Um, but listen, I, I'm 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 happy as long as I'm in the team. I'm happy and to do whatever needs done for the team. And um, I was going I was going rightly before the lockdown and um, stringing a few decent performances together. But um, like I said, the start it's a it's an it's an attacking it's attacking number four role. It's not just a cornerback man working on. <laughs> Very important. But this is the thing, right? So I could see when you went wing back, I could kind of understand that because you can play anywhere for the club, you know, you know, and you can play wing forward. That's fine. And there's not too much difference. How did he convince you to go in cornerback? He must have thrown that little attacking cornerback carrot in front of you to, to help you to accept it. Um, because let's be honest, you, you could be all as attacking as you want. But if, if he doesn't follow you, there's a there's a pretty, you know, there's a risk there, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, uh I think it was a case that sort of need must at a time we were we were we were sort of a lot of injuries and carrying people and nice. um Kieran, Kieran sort of said Aiden, you're going to have to go in there so I was saying right no bother whatever um and it's probably the worst thing I did was start to play decently uh, <laughs> but um, no listen I enjoy it I don't mind it at all it's a, it's a different challenge different role and you know it forces you to adjust a wee bit and. Um, listen, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying my football wherever I'm playing, and um, I know there's quality all around me. And, and um, geez, where, where else would you rather be? And playing with quality players and against quality yeah. teams, and we're hoping obviously to push on again um, this year and and see where we can get to. He get I, I was talking or I was reading uh, something. I think it could have been Rio Ferdinand's book. I don't think I read it, but I read an extract out of it. And he used to play up front when he was younger. He was a striker. That's right. Yeah. And and he t- he was saying that it took him nearly a full season to get the buzz of the defending side. You know, to actually go, we kept a clean sheet. That's where my buzz is now. Did you find a little bit of a mental kind of uh, you know adaptation before you started going? Jesus, you know, I've kept him scoreless, and that's as good a buzz as scoring a goal. Uh, or is, that ever, is, that ever, is, that ever, is that ever possible? No, but I think that's probably where, you know, being a, a forward all my life, going back in there, you have that different mentality where you're trying to you're trying to put your opposition player on the back foot no matter what, you know what I mean? So I think that could be a, an advantage in the role, obviously. Um, 
you're going to be annoyed if he kicks any points off you like, and that's that's pretty much the main goal as a defender but I think <laughs> um, my, sort of a philosophy I've tried to develop is kind of like if, if I score more than him I've done better you know what I mean my <laughs> not value to my not value to the to the play is better than his so <laughs> that could be a bit, bit of a mindset that I would have but um, no I think it, it can be an advantage but obviously your number one rule is defending so and, and like we, we try to play an attacking style of football and here's happy for me to try and, and push forward and break lines if I can and obviously if my man's giving bother then I'm going to be I'm going to be challenged on it but no listen it's a new challenge it's good and um, we'll see where it takes me yeah exactly listen we, we, we talk a lot about attacking cornerbacks um, on the show they're a new phenomenon but uh, whether whether I, I'm not sure whether I'm I'm fully yeah, an attacking cornerback dragging Rian O'Neill the whole way to your end of the field is not exactly what I like to see at the same time. That, look, that's that's the way the tactics have gone in it now, though, isn't it, Aidan? Like, I mean, you going forward, even if you don't get the ball, you're dragging a really good forward somewhere where he doesn't want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, everyone has a role. Like when you don't have when you when you have the ball, you're you're an attacker. Like, and that would be Kieran's philosophy. You know, yeah. when you don't have the ball, you're you, you know you've heard that before. Like everyone's a defender, but you think you flip it on its head that when you when you do have the ball, everyone has an option to attack. And um, I think whatever role you play in the game now, you're just going to bring your own qualities to that role, no matter where it is. You know, so yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time for the game. I think. I think. We sort of came full circle around, you know, the defensive game and stuff. And now the teams who are, who are having a go and trying to play, trying to play a faster transition football forward are the teams that, and maybe committing a few more numbers to attack are the teams that are going to do well. Like, yeah, are doing well. So, what's the plan? Um, I'm sure you'll be meeting up with the lads. You're in work today, unfortunately. I don't know how you did it. Um, and then Geezer wants you back on Thursday. Is that your immediate plan for the week? Not getting too nosy here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, he actually texted me last night just saying well done. There was no chat of of, of going into training or nothing, but he knows uh, I'll be back on him ready. But I could, I'd say that sooner rather than later. You know, it'll be um, it'll be competitive going in, boys. will be champing it, and I'll be keen to to try and um, get in there and, and and get meeting the boys and get get trained together again and seeing what way we're shaping up. You know, and um, listen, I'll enjoy a couple of days to myself and uh, at home with family and a few friends here and. Um, sort of try and soak it in a wee bit um, and go from there but listen I'm excited to get back in to be fair and um, it's a long time coming so um, and, and the games are coming are going to be coming thick and fast like, so you can't really rest in your oils too much They will they will exactly Come here I'll let you back to your teammates there Aidan thanks very much for taking the call and congratulations yesterday Thanks to William Molly no bother all right, great stuff from um, Aidan there. In the other county final of the day, it was in Antrim hurling. Um, it was the one on television early. This, I know you mentioned, Connor about the Armagh one, having supporters and stuff, but this was actually on television. One thing, at least they had supporters. At least there was a bit of atmosphere at it. There was a pitch invasion at the end of it. It felt like a county final. But without being a little uh, worrier about this, Conan, there was no social distancing whatsoever because all the crowd just gathered in together in a little in, in a big pile in the middle of the terrace. <laughs> yeah, pitch invasion. There's players being lifted up on shoulders as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were there were kids behind there. Sorry, I know you hit the word kids. There, there were children behind the nets, um, and uh, like that that makes a class as well. But they were all just jumping around on top of each other. 
of every time a, a goal went in. Um, and like it's, it was in Ballycastle too, you know, so you think about all those things that Ronan Glynn was talking about, being worried about people coming into the one exit or whatever. There only is one way in of Ballycastle <laughs> and one way out of it. So uh, I think they just sort of floated it all for the day up there. Yeah, I think we're all over this. Like, I mean, the, this this uh, this game was over probably at halftime because there was a very strong wind in it, and uh, Dunloy were level at halftime. A huge goal just before halftime. It was with, uh, from Kevin Malloy, and it was one of the best goals you'll ever see. Where he fake fainted to to shoot and brought the ball back in. It was a dummy solo in hurling, Connor. I just put it into language that you can understand. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. Did he get the final? Did he get the final touch to it? That I was. I wasn't sure. Well, you know, no, like Conal C- uh, Cunning. They call him Kobe. He tried to claim it. It was the most outrageous claim. That ball had crossed the line. It, like imagine trying to take one a wonder goal off your off your midfielder and come out and celebrate that goal. It reminded me of that time. Remember when Cristiano Ronaldo did score that amazing goal for Portugal a couple of years ago? It was ruled off for outside offside because Nani got a got a header to the ball just as it was about to go into the net. But whatever about that, whatever about trying to claim it, he could have just got out of the way because Malloy had all the momentum and he was going to get there anyway. But uh, Cunning just nipped in at the end. And whether he got a touch to it, I don't know. But that was Malloy's goal all day. And what a goal, too. And what a goal and what a performance he was. He was uh, he was brilliant. He was, I don't know if he got the man the match, but he looked it to me all, all, all ends up. Yeah, no, he definitely did. Their their manager, Gregory O'Kane, said after the game that they won the toss and decided to go against the wind. Just shows the confidence of these Dunloy, uh, this Dunloy team. They're, not, they're known for having confidence. He says, we wanted to start strong and we have a lot of pace through the lines. It probably suits a team like us to go against the breeze. The use of the ball, putting it to hand and then running it through, it was first class. I would probably say the first 50 minutes set the tone for us to go on and win it. I thought that was a feature of the game, the way uh, Dunloy used the ball. And listen, it's not a secret that the way to play hurling now isn't always to put the, the hurley through it. It's to go through the lines and they're all doing that. And especially against the wind, it makes sense. It's like, listen, it's it's similar to Gaelic football tactics and hurling's finally copped on that Gaelic football is tactically way ahead of it, Conan. Well, that, that's it. Like, and if you look at some of the scores, like Keelan Malloy put in a, an exhibition of score taking, but he was being teed up very nicely. Like, he was, he was hitting them from all angles, but he had them in nice distances away. Like, there was nothing absolutely outrageous. He was just on song, and that's because it was build-up play. Like, very, very few times, I think, in the Ballyhill game, which I know we'll talk about, like, was the ball just being lumped forward like 70 80 yards and somebody trying to compete and try to put it over from there it's there's a bit more thought to it and it's good to see hurling's catching up with football now (laughs) (laughs) this will go down well to hurling uh to the hurling snobs who have stuck with us throughout three football people talking about hurling we'll be back in business very soon um with the with the hurt with the hurling pundits back so don't just 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 stay stay with us for a while for a while longer and uh we'll be back soon liam watson retired again um, after the game, he said he had a smile on his face all day. You can't win them all. He, he over and out. He he didn't have a very good day to be honest. But look, let's be honest. Dunloy were by far the better team and were convincing winners. They would have gone on now to play Slocknail, who won the Derry County final for the eighth time in a row. But obviously, um, that's all called off. So all you're getting this year, lads, is your county medal. Uh, so don't be given out. Uh, second game on TV yesterday, lads. This was an excellent first half, um, standard-wise. Not so excellent second half, standard-wise. But it all kind of burst into this controversial ending where Ballymun self-imploded and ruined what was a brilliant win for them. And, uh, you know, a county final coming up. They're definitely without Davy Byrne, who needs his head examined. I've enough of that fella now. I've played, I've been on the field with that fella loads of times. And he's there's no... There's no, there's no ever defending that fella. He's just a loose cannon on the field. 
He can't. He's got no head about him. He goes uppercutting a fellow with his jersey pulled up over his head when he's five points up, and t- and you're going into a county final. That's brain dead now. And I, I listen. I had a good feeling. Some of the things I saw him doing on a field. So he's gone now. And I think Ballymun should cut their losses with that fella. Jason Whelan will probably be gone as well. Uh, he decided to eye gouge. Um, Leon Young got sent off as well. Um, it doesn't look like I, I couldn't see what he did wrong. And, you know, by the way, he was pleading would make you think it, maybe it was a mistaken identity. But it was the Crokes uh, number five, um, O'Connor, I think it was. He kind of mm. went to poke Jason Whelan in the eye. I don't know what he was doing. Where's coming into people's heads? That, mm. that even your instinct would even think to poke a fella in the eye. Maybe the game's moved on and I'm too old now at this stage. Whelan then wrestled him to the ground and said, I'll show you how to eye gouge and went straight up for his eyes. And as the young fella... Um, was re- ringling around trying to break free on the ground. Just disgusting scenes, Conan. And sometimes you wonder, will Ballymun ever learn? And just imagine all you had to do was laugh at the Kilmacud Corks lads because they were the ones that were livid at that stage. That's it. Because Davy Byrne was coming off and he was having a bit of a laugh himself and joking. And I was like, that's, that's not the time to laugh. Like, you should have just waited until full time. Or you should have just been laughing when they were trying to confront you or when you were holding on to them. I can, I can only assume. I think what happened was. You know, Kiel McCall had a kick out and Bally Mum were, were trying to hold on to them just yeah. to stop winning the ball and it just went too far. And you're you're right, like that's a fair assessment of the of the Jason Whedon thing. Like that that did look disgusting. It's very it's very hard to see that a player on the ground and you know, eyes being gouged out, but Keen O'Connor did seem to go for his face first, and it was like Whelan just saw red when it when it when that happened. And as you say, it was I'll show you how to do it. But um, either way, for none of them, like it, it's it's not a good thing. I don't know what comes into your head. All I can think of from Keen O'Connor's point of view is like Whelan seemed much more physically strong, and he couldn't seem to get it, get him off his jersey. You know, so yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go for an eye, but you'd be trying to do something like you try and find a weak spot to get somebody's grip loosened on you because when somebody's stronger, you can you can feel it, like you know. So um, ah, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't nice, and and the, and the burn thing was just stupid because at that stage it had been going on for about a minute, and then he's just swinging a punch when everyone's looking right in front of the umpires. Like I mean, you're just basically saying I don't have any cop on, and I'm going to get sent off and miss the county fine. Philly McMahon came up and was doing a bit of mouthing to Keno Sullivan, and you wouldn't mind to see that like I mean that's what you want to be doing in a situation Connor like that you're five up point up at the scoreboard say hard luck lads we've a county final that will hurt them a lot more than bloody trying to uppercut a chap with his head covered pulling his jersey up over his head and throwing a few uppercuts yeah Dean Rock was at him as well Dean Rock and Keanu Sullivan were having a few pushes against each other as well which again sure. was was harmless compared to you don't to... mind that yeah you don't mind no, that it's... that's going to happen that's harm, that's harmless compared to the other. You nearly like you you nearly like to see it because you're like you know it's all uh county you know county Frenches are set set aside here. It's yeah. because the way it should be under the circumstances. But like Jesus, how many times um how many times have you heard it said it to you? Do you know that like when you're in a, in a position like that, just do not do anything stupid. Like a, a club like Ballymun, I know you've talked about their history there, Willie. Um, but like you know a club like Ballymun with their experience, the amount of county finals they've been in. The amount of experience they have throughout the team, not just their county players, to get involved in that sort of shit. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't know, was it the case that like the likes of Philly McMahon couldn't get there quick enough to, 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 to tell them to cop on? Because the worst that happened at that stage, Jason Whelan and your man were on the ground and, yeah. and the, the fellas had dived in and then um, Davy Byrne got involved with your man. And the worst thing about that was that, like it, it was showing up, it was showing up completely on the TG car cameras, but it nearly seemed to me like Jason Wheeler or Davy Byrne thought he was doing it on the slide, <laughs> you know, because he he German jerseys, he he had German's jersey pulled over his head at that stage. So just desserts for Davy Byrne. I don't know what German um 
I don't know what the number seven did. I, I don't think any, anyone has a, anyone has a clue. So he'll probably Leon get Young, off. yeah. I think I just, wondered, I just wondered then what's the what's the protocol with with Jason Whelan? Is the, is it because that the video evidence will, video evidence will be so damning that he'll have to get done, or is it the fact that he was booked by the referee? Does that override? Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that does because, like, I mean, I'd say the referee booked him for wrestling to the ground. So if the referee yeah. says he was unaware of of any eye gouging, Jason Whelan has a has a case to answer. That's my yeah. understanding of it, Conan. Like, I mean, I, am, I, am I right with that? I, I think that's right. The referee did deal with it, but not to the extent of what actually happened. Yeah, I, I just hope the referee didn't give a yellow card and write down eye gouging. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, that would be absolutely crazy. But listen, Jason, or, you know, Jay, I wouldn't mind Jason Whelan fucking came on, played great in the second half yeah. like he did the last day. I just watched this because I have a bit of a growth for Ballymun. I like them. If you have these two or three players who consistently let Ballymun down and, you, you know, Philly McMahon talking about Ballymun's reputation and stuff like this game and, and it's not fair and... This game was on TV yesterday and we, you know, like, I mean, the whole country saw that. Like, I mean, that's just the height of stupidity and it's very hard to defend it. So, like, I mean, there were some other talking points out of the game, lads. Mannion and Dean Rock missing penalties. Imagine that. How Dean Rock had to take a penalty. Such a decision from the referee. Mm -hmm. James McCarthy bearing down on goal, about to kick it into the net. The the goalkeeper tried to trip him up and I think the referee thought he was so clever that he spotted the trip that he went, it's a penalty and that's it, I've called it, I saw the trip and and he's just about to kick the ball in the net, Connor. Like, I mean, that could have had a huge bearing on the game. Like, that, James McCarthy deserved the chance to kick that into the net and that goal stand. James McCarthy was literally in the net, I think, when we heard the whistle blew. Like, the only thing I can think of is that the referee decided that because he'd blown his whistle that he has to come back. But I don't think... Like, the, the Kilmacud players have accepted at that stage that a goal was given against them. Do you know well, what I mean? There was a goal written all over that the minute James McCarthy threw it to Dean Rock. Like, I mean, that, you know, like, I mean, there's a goal on there, you say. Like, this is a goal. Absolutely. And, and then just, if you have to blow your whistle a couple of seconds later, wait a couple of seconds, you can still pull it back for the free. Yeah. <laughs> like, he literally blew the... As I said, James McCarthy was nearly in the net. I think he was maybe on the six-yard line when he'd actually taken the shot. And when, when the referee deemed that he was fouled and he blew the whistle, it was an absolutely ridiculous decision compounded only by, now it wasn't a great penalty, great save by the keeper to get that height on it with his trailing leg, I thought, but uh, just compounded even more that uh, that Dean Rock couldn't even convert the penalty. A, a cr- absolutely crazy, crazy decision. Yeah, some weird misses from Dean Rock actually yesterday, which was surprised. Paddy Small was the outstanding uh, player I thought for Ballymun the whole way through the game. A defender's nightmare, just turning around, getting the ball, turning, facing you, and then going at you. Nobody like nobody likes that. Like I mean, even Keno Sullivan was trying to drop back, but Keno Sullivan was covering the middle, and Paddy Small was getting a load of ball out over by the wing, you know, and being able to skin his man. So I thought he w- he was really really good um, for Ballymun, and Ballymun deserved to win the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, but you know, just that last bit at the end would leave a sour taste. Brendan Hackett, their manager, said he didn't see it. He said I actually didn't see it, and the cards at the end. I don't know what happened. So then you finish up there. That's grand. He didn't see anything. Then he continues. I'm not sure about Leon's. I was actually looking at the backs, but I'd say that would be appeal because I can't un- understand what Leon's was for. So how do you not know what Leon's was for if you didn't see anything? Unless Leon, in fairness, he you couldn't see anything other than his pure disbelief at why he was getting sent off. So just for that, either he's an he's an Oscar uh, potential Oscar um, actor. Or Leon got a bit of a raw deal, Conan. I would be leaning towards a little bit that he 
might have got the raw deal. Although, listen, to be honest with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past any, I wouldn't put it past the few of them. I don't know Leon well enough to vouch for him. Well, well maybe Brendan Haggis is, Hag is just saying there were two red cards. One of them's Davy Byrne, all right, so that one's cancelled out. We're not going to appeal that, but I, I didn't see it, but I assume it was a red card. And we can maybe maybe appeal Leon one. Maybe he didn't see any of them and he just assumes that Davy Byrne was, was up to it anyway. Yeah, a very educated guest, you'd have to say, right? Well, would they be involved in that square? Okay, right. Well, he got right. Well, he's no. I'm not going to appeal that. But Leon is not. It's not in his. Uh, it's not in his makeup. Anyways, there was a county final in Kerry as well yesterday, lads. It's the other county final, Ken Mayer and Austin Stacks. Um, so Ken Mayer, another team of mine, threw it away. Um, yesterday they were five points up after 41 minutes, and they had a man sent off. And even the Austin Stacks went 26 minutes in the second half without scoring. It wasn't a good game. Uh, well, it wasn't a, a, an attacking game like the next one we're going to talk about. Then their uh, Stacks are three points down. Um, pretty much one of the last kicks of the game. High ball hopeful to Kieran Donaghy, who's still that effective at this stage of his career. Uh, knocks it into the path of Sean Quilter, who finished into the net. Draw a match after normal time, extra time. Ken Mayer come back, go two points up. And then Austin Stacks take over and uh, they end up winning it by three in the end. So, like, I mean, that's that county final. So, Austin Stacks, if there was a count, if there was provincial championships, Austin Stacks will be representing Kerry because East Kerry play mid Kerry in the county final. Are you still following me on all of that, um, Cannon? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm Austin Stacks. Remember, it would have been suited them better this year because uh, last year they got thrown in unexpectedly, but this year the two championships running side by side. Yeah, you, yeah. You ready for it? Yeah, exactly. No, that's a good point. They would have been exactly ready for it. They wouldn't have been stale. But that's the thing. So Ken Mayer threw away a county semi-final against Mid Kerry, and now they're after throwing away the final against Austin Stacks. And then on the other hand, you look at it, they came back from nowhere against Kilmacud or against uh, Dr. Crokes in the semi-final. And remember to beat Temple No, no. Uh, with a goal in the last minute. So I don't know what to think of Ken Mayer. Or did they throw, did maybe they just, this is the a team you need to go watch in person. They throw away leads, they come back with leads, they're, you know, you'll pay money um, into seeing them. The other one was mid Kerry beat Crokes. This was after extra time. Absolute drama in this one. Um, a little bit like the Tyrone match we were talking about uh, two weeks ago. Mid Kerry went four down. They conceded a goal and a point in the extra time. Usually, Connor, that's the end of you, not Mid Kerry, which makes it even more surprising. These aren't even a club team. These mm. aren't even t- club mates. These are a thrown together team. They came back from nowhere against Ken Mayer in the last round. Now they're four points down against against uh, Doctor Croaks, and they still have the team spirit to to rally from that. Yeah, and you wonder where they're getting it from. As you said, they're 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 just a divisional team, as opposed to you no, know, they they'd be used to a couple of training sessions together or stuff. But they they there's obviously a bond there and great character that they can do that. But I'm just asking, what well, like can can any team in Kerry hold on to a lead at all? Like this is just all we're hearing every week is a team going up and even an extra time and then surrendering it, whether it's Kemmer or Doctor Croaks or or who else, like Temple Noah, as we said, with Kemmer there a while ago as well. But this game sounded like amazing. I was just seeing um. Tony Lean from the Examiner, who was reporting on it, he called for the county board to put put the game up on the Kerry website and for it to be used as a coaching tool. He said it's the, the one of the best games he's ever seen. So it sounded amazing. And then just looking through some of the scores as well, like like Crokes didn't have um, Tony Brosnan. Obviously, we talked about that last week. But then Mihal Burns steps up and gets one five. I'd say from play, I'd say Kieran O'Leary, who m- might not have been playing if Tony Brosnan had been uh, had been fit. I think he kicked five points for them from play. Uh, Gavin O'Grady from Mid Kerry kicked one five. This just sounded like uh, 
an unbelievable game and nearly the complete opposite of, of what you've described with, with Kim Aaron Sachs there as well. Yeah, but it'll be the other one. We know we know how Dr. Crokes uh, like to play the game. There was 45 scores in 70 minutes, 6.33 from, from play. Um, and Dr. Crow scored 319 without Tony Brosnan, Dottie Casey or, or Jordan uh, Kiley. So, like, I mean, it's some sensational um, stats coming from that. He said their manager, Pedro Sullivan, the mid-carry manager, said, I thought the game was gone after we conceded that six-point lead. Um, we got a good impact from the bench again. We nearly have too many players, but we go horses for courses. It's a great problem to have. And this is these divisional teams, Conan. We nearly have too many players, he says. Like, I mean, like maybe that's why they're able to come back. They have a big bench that a club team, especially down a few injuries, wouldn't have. And to even add on to that is Temple Nobi could come in yesterday in the relegation match. So now Kilcommon are down intermediate. Who's Kilcommon players available for? East Kerry, who are going to win two in a row more than likely. Like, I mean, I don't I don't know if Kerry are starting to think that. I, I don't know. Football's gone so strong in Kerry. The club football has gone so competitive. And that's normal enough after winning nine minor All-Irelands or five minor All-Irelands in a row. You know, that, that kind of most clubs have, you know, a, an injection. There was huge work obviously done in the clubs at underage level. And now the club teams are just way too strong, maybe, to go into these divisional teams. Like, what what a really good problem, him saying we nearly have too many players. Like, how many people can say that? And, like, that sort of shows what you're talking about with the extra time. Like, you're right. Like, once once a team gets a goal in extra time, usually that's it. Like, the other team barely scores half the time. Like, you know, they just they just down tools and give up because three points in extra time and it's it's done for. But when you have so many players and they're probably a lot of them at the same level, and you can just call upon the freshen up the team, then it does make a change. And with Kerry, I remember when we first talked about this, I was thinking, geez, do they need to split up East Kerry now? But like, that's actually such a natural way of doing it, just allowing more clubs into the senior championship, and then they're not available for East Kerry then, you know, and yeah. the club teams are, are getting a better shake. Yeah, exactly. That's the natural thing uh, to do with it. So loads of drama in in the in the Kerry Championships. Um, Kilkenny semi-finals on TV on Saturday night. And there's more drama here because Saint, or James Stevens put in a heroic performance. Um, and their manager, our own Cheddar Plunkett, joins us on the line now. Did you get your breath back, Cheddar? Um, I might have my breath back, but the heart's not back um, fully. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, those type of games are... They're sort of dialogue where everybody is sports people. It's not just me and it's not just James Stevens. They're they're you know, they're gut wrenching ways to lose matches. Um and they just empty you, I suppose, for a couple of days. But I suppose on the flip side of that, that's what makes winning um, you know, so much more appreciable when you do win and that. Um, you know, the downs are massive downs and I suppose the highs are massive highs. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that was it. I like. I mean, I was getting emotionally invested in it. I'm a I'm a Shamrocks fan, but I was shouting for James Stevens on Saturday night, and you were bent over the the railing at the end, Cheddar. You couldn't take any more. Like it, it had gotten to it, it had gotten so exciting. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, I look. Anybody who's involved in sport just knows that you you know you totally invest yourself in it, um, and that's just us. You know, uh, my my real feeling is for the players, um, and you know the investment that they put into it, and and uh, you know knowing, um, you know, it's been a very very tough year with with COVID nineteen and all of those things, and and uh, to come into um, you know Northern Park, you know into Kenny, it simply is they will certainly regard it as the home of hurling, and you know and there's an awful lot of people would agree, um, and play the double All Ireland champions, um, and you know have the beating of them just coming down the straight and not just see out that, you know, having invested so much of your life and your personal life and time in it for the players, um, you know, it has a massive impact on you. And, um, you know, so 
I suppose it, you know, it just wasn't me. They were just my feelings at the time that you know we had it and we just let it slip. We probably just let it slip away. And and uh, I'd say there's not too many times you're going to get an opportunity against the Shamrocks like that. And and I suppose just the way the game went as well, Wally. You know, um, sometimes you might you know score a lot of goals or something like that, but this was different. Um, you know, they they Shamrocks started really really well. I think they led by eight, um, scored two goals, and we were doing our damnedest to cut down the goals. Yeah. And yet they scored them, and and um, you know, at another time, um, teams might buckle and throw in the towel, and that instead of that, um, I suppose the team thundered into the game, and and um, I think we might maybe score nine or ten points on the trot. It wasn't that we got two or three goals to counter that; we actually scored points. And but more than anything else, got the grips with the Shamrocks, I suppose, our tackle count um, and our winning loose ball and that breaking ball. All those performance figures. You know, went off the charts during that period, and um, you know, even tackled. Now, even I suppose Shamrock started to foul a little bit under pressure when when we went to them and that. And it, it, as well as it was that that so, um, you know, I suppose so frustrating really to come back like that um, against you know maybe one maybe one of the best club teams of all time, um, and then not just to see it out when the opportunity was there. You know, that's the most you know that's the real killing part of it. I suppose there's a real good gut wrenching part of it. Yeah, what did you change at that first water break, Cheddar? Because it was after that first water break you were the eight down, and it like this game, you could be nearly thinking about maybe flicking away. You know, this kind kind of a thing. Mm. Were you dropping a midfielder back a little bit, spooked by Reed and and no, uh, and no, no we were you know, we thought a lot about it beforehand. Um, we did it on the on the puckouts, and incidentally, towards the end of the game, um, you know, this this was got turned around on us. Um, and we went full court press on puckouts at that stage. You know, we were playing with the breeze, I suppose, and you know the weren't coming, the weren't coming as, as much down our throat. Um, but we just made a couple of positional changes in the team. Uh, but look, okay, it was up to the players. It wasn't. It, we, there was probably a couple of positional changes that did make a, a huge difference. But the huge difference was every single village player decided, you know, I'm not just going to leave this behind me, and I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm just going to empty myself here and my own performance here. And everybody raised their game. And and took the game took the game to to Shamrocks and you know as I said to you all it's the performance statistics from then on you know were weighted heavily towards our favours and to the extent even that Shamrocks started to foul a lot yeah. during that period that sort of showed uh, you know so it, it, it was probably a combination of things but more than anything else that you know the players dug really really deep um, and you know I suppose I'm just going back to that point that's the gut wrenching part of it that you know when you reach that far into yourself. Uh, for a performance all over the field and uh, you know you get it and you drive on and then just towards the end you just don't see that out that's the really really you know that's the real hard pain in this in this game and I suppose like it's in a, in a terrible twist it was Tyke Dwyer who was man of the match and who was absolutely brilliant he's a great bit of cutting in him um, Tyg has he had that 59th minute chance where he went for the goal instead of putting it across. And I suppose maybe, is that the difference, Cheddar, that bit of experience um, maybe that your lads need to gain? Uh, the, the, the reason I think is, like, Tyg was, you know, he's, he's he's a fantastic player. He was he was heroic in the game, as all the players were. I'm not going to single out one player here. Um, and and when I say that, I'm also giving due credit to, to Shamrocks. It was a brilliant game, 322 to 126. I think that was a huge lot of that was from play. Um, but yeah, Ty had a chance for a goal. Um, he probably had two chances for a goal. I think one of them that he went for went up the field. I think maybe, I think maybe Brian Cody got the equalising point. Uh, but look, you, you know, fit that on the other side too. Um, you know, he had tore through the middle. 
had things had opened up for him. You know, if he had executed the goal, the game was definitely over. And then you'd be saying Ty took the right choice here. You know, made the right decision. Yeah. Uh, but probably t- towards the end, uh, certainly. You know, this was in overtime now. Um, you know, so that's how crucial it, how crucial these things are. Um, you'd, you'd probably say Shamrocks were just a little bit more clinical in front of the goal than we were, um, and that you know, there were very very fine margins, and even there were some small factors in that. Shamrocks had the win in the second half, and most of their scores probably came from Dean Mason's puckouts. So they were able to go at a distance. You know, they were landing probably they were probably landing, you know, in the middle of the D in terms of in terms of distance range of that. And you know, earlier on in the in the game, you know, we had dropped and and uh, you, you know we had a man dropping on the puck out. So that probably you know would have cured that at that time. Except this is the second half and there was two or three minutes in the game at this stage and we were still driving on and going to win the match and that. Yeah. Um, so there was even even just the win factor. You know, normally the win factor is a big. Um, determining factor in performance and that and it can be in hurling at times but in this instance it was as simple as that you know we'd score or, or you know the ball would go wide and we just probably maybe missed a couple of wides at, at crucial time but you know I, I, I always say Willie like you know is the pint at the end of the game any more or less important than the pint at the start of the game you know we had opportunities other than that to win the match as well um, and look it just didn't go our way I suppose it, it, it was just I suppose that the level the savagery of the effort was was you know you don't see that often and then just to come away with nothing um, I suppose that's the piece that hurts the most. Yeah, I, I, like I mean, I suppose you're not one to give out about referees and a free in the first minute, like you say, always is the same as a free in the last minute. But Jesus, that was it. The the picking the ball up off the ground that was some call from a referee at that stage of the game. And it, it, it was, um, but look, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. Um, <laughs> just very, very glad. Uh, I know I mean this. I've been on the record of saying this. Look, there has been some matches where, you know, refereeing clearly wasn't right. Um, you know, this wasn't one of those matches. And, you know, I could argue that the free on David Walton out, that was that, that, that was probably a worse decision. It was on the Shamrock's full back line, but they had the breeze and it was going to land them up on top of TJ and Colin and that. Uh, yeah. But I know myself that when I look at the video and if I was the Shamrock's manager on the other side, I'd say, God, that was a fairly soft free there as well. You know, these things start to be equal. Like, people are human here and, and uh, um, Owen left the game flow as most referees in Kenny do. Um, and when you, you know, I, I've been on the show before, and you know, we can't be two faced about this, Woolly, and say one thing on one day and a different thing on another day. When you let the game flow, there are going to be, the referee's going to make some mistakes one way or the other. And generally speaking, these things uh, uh, balance out. Um, it was a difficult one to take. It was right in front of the goal, you know, given, given a ball like that to TJ, sure, you might as well give him the pint, just take the cook out and, and that. Uh, but um, we're certainly not going to whinge over that. We had. Uh, the opportunities to win the match ourselves. So, you know, let's not lay the blame anywhere else. Yeah, OK, fair enough. Um, we all know how good TJ Reid is, but is there, a, is there a more effective full forward in club hurling in the country than Colin Fenley? Uh, yes, I know, okay, so you didn't need to know a club. Like, you know, Colin's been doing this for, for, for a while. Um, and, you know, the interesting part about it is... Um, you know Shane Donahue. This was his first year playing full back for us, and 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 has and was great last Sunday, and will be a, the full back for the village for a number of years. Very very young player. He was a little bit unfortunate four or five weeks ago. He got a knee tendon injury and, and hasn't had a chance maybe to. And it hasn't done very little training in fairness. Uh, but he actually played really well on Colin, and you know fronted him for a number of balls and that. Uh, but uh, look, Colin's an experienced player. Look, you know he's not all star material. You don't you don't win those against you know a top inter county 
forward um, unless you're you're a serious serious player. Uh, and I think it's a little bit more than Colin. I think it's I suppose it's the interplay between TJ and Colin and their understanding. Because when you yeah. see most of the goals are scored by one or the other, it's nearly always an assist from one or from one to the other. It could be it could be role reversal in the, the county final down there. Um, you know, so you're you're trying to manage two players. And I've said it on the show before I was even involved with uh, James Stevens that in my view, you know, for TJ to come from where he came from in the same club as Henry um, and to be, you know, I probably think he's a technically better player um, and to now be, you know, probably regarded as the best player in Ireland. Um, well, you know, it was a fantastic achievement for him. And, uh, you know, he is a serious, serious player. And, and, and when I say that, Niall Brazel uh, played centre back for the village last Sunday, and in my view, he he could have very he, he I think he missed maybe five or six points that Niall would score, which he, he doesn't score a high percentage because he's a very very good long range player. I know we had tried to develop that uh, throughout the year. Um, his radar, his radar, his radar was definitely off. Uh, Brazil, he got on low the ball, but he suppose maybe he was going. He went for a lot of scores, and like you, if you say he usually would get them, I kind of understand he would, why he was he, going for them. He certainly would. He certainly would. And you know, you know, maybe you know, people might say that that we should have asked um, and Niall to you know play the ball a little bit more. But this is what he's good at. Uh, but I would say you know right up to the last five minutes uh, that Niall Brazil was potentially man of the match. He was absolutely awesome um, in terms of what he could do. Um, uh, you know, and it was just unfortunate that that goal come in. I think when you look back on it again, um, you know, Niall just tapped down all the, the ball in front of TJ, so he just wasn't able to catch it. And just at that particular time, he probably overran a little bit in front of the ball and he's, he, the ball went in over him and TJ caught it behind him. And of course, then he's a free run to go to, to be able to pop to pass the Colin and that. Um, uh, but uh, Niall Brazel was 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 just brilliant. That, but look, TJ is you know he's been doing this for what six, seven, eight, or whatever number of years at, at this stage. Um, and I, I thought that the village held him really, really well, and they held him by playing him. You know, there was yeah. You, know, you will not you're you're not going to beat a quality team like Shamrocks or any quality team by by anything else other than you know good hurling tactics or or good technical players and that. Um, and you know, I I, I think. The village would have been very, very happy with an awful lot of things from Sunday, but obviously devastated about the loss and particularly the, the way of the loss. Yeah, exactly. Finally, uh, Cheddar, Jackie Terrell said on RT after the match, he said it's very important for this team's development uh, to keep you on board. Any uh, news for us on that? <laughs> um, no, no news on that one. Um, I looked at the, uh, you know, uh, not just me saying this, you know, any manager will tell you this, uh, Willie, there's a, you know, there's a, uh, it's a credible commitment, even at that level. Um, you know, club senior club hurling in Kilkenny is, and in and in any of the, the top counties um, at this stage, is comparable with inter-county commitments. Um, yeah. And you know, everything everything in these clubs is geared towards winning. Um, and um, you know, so you've got to match that in terms of your commitment and, and all around you and that as well. Um, and look, the other flip side of that, that, that you know, that's a, a, a really ultimately a matter for the team and for the club. Um, but there's a lot of things to be considered that it is huge commitment. And this year, maybe in, in, in a funny sort of a way, because of COVID, probably maybe even more so because, um, you know, a lot of the time you, you go training. So that's your interface with the team and that. But the interface this year was maybe a little bit different uh, right throughout the lockdown and all of that. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider and things like that. But, you know, I certainly 
could not speak highly, more highly about the club. I certainly could not speak more highly about the hurling environment that you're playing in Kilkenny and the expectations about winning and the, um, you know, I suppose just the proper preparation about how to win and all of that. Um, it's just everything is geared towards that. So, so I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, Cheddar, but we leave it there. We'll, we'll be talking to you. Um, we'll be talking to you soon when the inter-county season starts back up again. Yeah, no, that looks good. It looks good that it that it is uh, starting back up. I think an awful lot of people are looking for looking forward to it, and I think there's going to be a huge amount to be talked about uh, for hurling and football. Obviously, I'm a hurling man. You know about how the club championship have started this year. There was a couple of things before I go, Willie. There's a couple of things. The, the pity about last Sunday. And I'm just talking about our own match because you know there was a cracking games all over the country, um, and I'm going to mention one of them here. Uh, the Mayo County final, Valley Harness, and the performance of Keith Higgins. And we were talking a lot about TJ. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind talking about Keith Higgins hurling in the Mayo County final. Either he scored nine points or something like that. Um, so I, I think there's there's going to be very interesting conversations about the way the thing, because of the experience of this year and the learning from this year, about maybe about how the thing might be set up for future years based on what we've learned this year. And the last point I'd make is um, I think there's a huge amount of thanks to be given to people who stood on gates and who handled tickets and who and COVID officers and all of these, um, all volunteers, um, all putting themselves in danger. Not a whole lot different, to be honest with you, the frontline staff and, and so on, so on. Huge amount of thanks to them from hurling people for being able to facilitate a championship to go ahead in the first place. And that, they were just my experience in Kilkenny. I'm sure that you know people in Leash and Cork and Tip and Carlo and everywhere else, all the hurlers in those places will be saying the same thing. They don't get credit often, but I was certainly like to see this year that you know we give out all stars to players I'd certainly like to see the GA do something to recognise the work that COVID officers did and that that ordinary officials did and be able to facilitate games like last weekend to allow them to happen Fair play to you Cheddar Let you go Wally Great stuff from Cheddar there lads I miss Cheddar that's it I'm going to say like like I mean lads I like the two of you lads but I love Cheddar (laughs) (laughs) I need Cheddar like I mean listen like this is the difference between us numpties and Cheddar Plunkett who is a great GA man and we're just mouthpieces I make I make a laugh of COVID officers uh, Conan Cheddar wants an an, an all-star to be given to all COVID officers I think that sums up that sums up the difference between a gentleman and me <laughs> and you're right to call me a gentleman because I was surprised that he didn't go at Marty Morrissey. I, I was so annoyed listening to Marty Morrissey and how surprised he was that James Stevens were doing well. And and his first question, I was like, Cheddar, you gave it everything. It's like, of course we gave it everything. Like we're trying to get in the county final, and Cheddar was just manic as ever and as gentlemanly as ever. And as you say, he doesn't be drawn on any of the the crap like we tend to be drawn on. No, no, he definitely does not. The big one in Limerick saw the Piercig beat Patrick's. Well, this was the repeat of last year's county final and it was a convincing win for the Piercig. No surprise. It was 125 to 17 points. Patrick's well had a man sent off. The Piercig forward line, Peter Casey, Connor Boyle and Kevin Downs, two current uh, Limerick uh, forwards and an ex-forward. And then William Henn, Adrian Breen and David Dempsey. David Dempsey, a current Limerick forward. Uh, Adrian Breen has been in the mix, I'm pretty sure, and William Henn scores all the scores um, from from freeze. This is a and this is no Shane Dowling taken out of that forward line, or maybe midfield. Like I mean, this is a super club in the Piercing, and I can't wait for the Piercing to play Bally Gunner. It'll have to be next year because we've got no Munster Championship. I can't wait for the Piercing to play Bally Hale Shamrocks 
in an All-Earn semi-final or All-Earn final. We won't see that till next year as well. I'm starting to feel a little bit bad. We don't have provincials. It is the it is kind of the natural follow-on from it, Conan. And it does feel a little bit weird when these super clubs are all making their county finals. And this is the stage of the year I'm starting to match them off against who they're playing in the provincials. Like that's it. Like when when it's super clubs, yeah, it doesn't make sense that that their seasons are just like you know, especially when you're like uh, coming from the national media, like you're. You're looking at these big teams coming through and thinking, right, what's next for them? And it doesn't seem right to say if Napiercy going to win this next next week against Dune. It's on RTE actually. They're they're loving with the monster hurling is continuing, but um, if if they go on and win it, it's like, oh well, they're finished. Like you know, it just doesn't really stack up. And like, yeah, you're talking about the forward line there. When I saw the Patrick's well cornerback was was sent off with two yellows in the first half, I thought, yeah, well, there's <laughs> that makes sense. That's what a good forward line does to the cornerback who's under pressure. But um. Yeah, it's a shame that that, that that could be it. And I hope they do bring it back at the start of next year. Yeah, huge upset in Clare. Um, O'Callaghan Mills. Lads, I have to hold my hands up and say this is a bit of a roar in his teog and say I, I had never really heard any, anything about O'Callaghan Mills uh, before. It's Pat Donnellan's club. Um, he was captain in 2013. Um, they beat Ballier. They scored 1-3 in injury time. It's their first county finals in 93. Um, the first time they'll be... If they win the county finals, the first, it'll be the first time since 1937. So a sensational, mad, mad story. Almost relegated last year. Brought in a new manager, Donnock O'Donnell. He's a Limerick man. And he's turned him, he's turned him completely around. And he made an interesting point. Um, he said, we had a few weeks done before COVID hit and it was hard. Once we got back in again, we were in smaller groups and you got to know them a bit better. They're a great bunch and the club is really strong. We get on great as a management team and they know... The, the lads inside out. So I was kind of thinking that, you know, all these new managers were dealt a really bad hand with this uh, COVID. He's putting a more positive spin on it, Connor, in that, right, the groups became much smaller. We had more one-on-one time with them. We got to know the players an awful lot better. And again, this is a man that's living it against us just kind of maybe theorising about it. Yeah, exactly. You would have thought that um, that what's happened with COVID and stuff will go against somebody, that's, especially somebody from an outside county that could, had to come in and manage another team because their access to the players was so restricted. But I'm sure, Bully, there's probably been a couple of maybe Zoom calls and stuff like that, maybe one-on-one and individual groups, maybe whether backs and forwards or stuff like that to, to let them get to know each other a little bit better. But it's just that the, the story is, Matt, you know, that they were on the they were on the verge of going down and to beat a, a kind of giant like Ballier, especially with 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 Tony Kelly scoring one eight, it's one eight or one eight in total, or maybe one eight from play. I'm not sure, but just the manner in which to do it as well, and and just something I was thinking about as well. But with kind of, I don't know, is it the case that with smaller clubs, or with you know, that I think that the longer a season goes on, I think that that you're the the the, the bigger a chance that the, the bigger clubs have for some reason. Whereas if you've a cause to fight for over a shorter period of time, I think it might suit smaller clubs like O'Callaghan Mills. So. But uh, yeah, what a what a win for them, and especially under under the circumstances to get. I think they picked did they did they hit one three in injury time or something like that with Pat Donnellan scoring the scoring the last uh, scoring the last score. So more drama again, which is which there been there has been plenty of for for us. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. Tony Kelly got one eight, and one eight of it was from play. So you're right on both. Uh, you're right on yeah, both right. Um, of them there. So the Donegal final has been decided as well, lads. Um, Kilcar surprisingly beat Guidor convincingly. Uh, no real drama there. Fourteen points to one six. Um, you know the big three are Kilcar, Guidor, and Nave Connell, and probably Unions all made the semi-finals. And but all the drama was in 
the Nave Connell St. Eunan's game, which went to extra time as well. Jesus, we'll talk about it in a second, Les, but how much drama are in all these club games? Like, it's incredible <laughs> stuff. Between the extra time, late scores, comebacks, again, a TV show with all these results firing in. I want it. I actually, you'd get nothing else done all weekend, wouldn't you not? Like, I mean, you'd be just completely addicted to all this stuff coming in and, you know, you'd end up getting divorced or whatever kind of would have to come come along with that. But anyways, the big talking point in the unions one was that this went to extra time. Unions, Nave Connell. Unions showed a lot of character. Um, and scored the first three points of extra time. And like we said, you know, in general, if a team goes three up or gets a goal in extra time, you know, you're looking like you're in a really strong position. But Nave Connell um, got a goal, and the goal was from Leo McLoon. And it came in from, uh, it was a long ball, Ian. It was an attempted point, really, that uh, probably dropped short. This is very interesting. So Sean Patton caught it above his head, which is the right thing to do in that situation. And in the time he took, to get it from the top of his head down to down onto his chest, Leo McLoon had rushed in, punched the ball out of his hand into the net, followed through and took Patton out of it. Now, I think the referee deserves a huge amount of credit for the call in this, uh, Conan, because I think he got the call right. But a lot of referees would have given a free out there because we know, you know, the minute you touch a goalkeeper in around that small rectangle, generally they're given a free but I'm sure McLoon had that ball fisted legally out of Patton's hands and into that net before he followed through and knocked Patton into the net as well. Like, honestly, I, I haven't seen as clean a connection with a ball from a tackle, yeah. you know, yeah. all, all summer. Like it was, uh, it was perfect. They caught it so flush. Like it didn't look like there was any foul on the keeper in that. Like, and the only thing that I was looking at was he, he shoved off somebody just just before he jumped in on the keeper. Like, and, and, that player went down. It wasn't a foul, but it went down. He lost his footing. Yeah. And the, ref, the ref was looking at that. Or like, you know, people, all the people were looking at that. Sorry, but um, no, I, I think the ref uh, got that right. Yeah, because there was some sort of contact with a, another unions player, and if there is an argument to say it should have been disallowed for that coming together, but that wasn't picked up on the camera, you know, well enough to be able to determine what happened there. Um, but the rule is when the goalkeeper is within the small rectangle, the goalkeeper may not be charged but he may be challenged for possession of the ball and his kicker pass may be blocked. Now, that's the actual rule. So he can't be charged. I presume you come in and you can't shoulder charge him. You know, that's the to protect him from being charged back in over the line, Connor. I presume. But this was, the ball was dislodged out of his hand into the net. It's different. And then he was charged, I suppose. Yeah, so the only, the the, the, the one incident that came to mind when I when I heard about them and I saw it was... Uh, was Sean Quigley on Stephen Cluxon a couple of years back? Do you remember that? Oh when yeah, Sean Quigley, but physically, Sean Quigley physically pushed Stephen Cluxon over the line after he caught it. Now that goal was allowed, but like I think everyone agreed afterwards that it shouldn't have been because, as as the rule states, as you just gone through there, he charged him with the you know he pushed him with his two hands over the line. But this was completely different. The the, the one thing I have uh, I have sympathy for Sean Patton is that his feet hadn't even touched the ground by the time. Um, by the time Leo McLuhan got the fist in. So he had no, he had no time to set himself around him. The ball, he was still in the air and the ball was in the air. And Leo McLuhan made, as, as Conan said, absolutely flush uh, contact with it. The only thing I was thinking of was, could he maybe have caught, caught it in his chest? But looking back again, the ball was too high. He had to catch it where it he did. too catch, high, yeah. yeah. Catch, catch it over his head. So like, I have sympathy for Sean Patton, but like at the same time, I think it was absolutely the right call. And I don't think it was a foul on the unions lad beforehand either. I know the footage doesn't catch it great, but to me it just looked like a slip. So like it's it's unfortunate on unions, but to me that's that's a goal all day. 
Yeah, and like we were saying a few shows ago, if he had jumped up and taken that into the chest, you know, there's a good chance the ball momentum could put him back behind the goals. Like, I mean, that happened in another game that we were talking um, talking about. Where was that, lads? I think that was up uh, in Antrim, wasn't it? That was in yeah, Down. Yeah, or down. up and down. Yeah, 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 and down, and down. So, yeah, so look, more drama there. So how much extra time, how much late comebacks, how much drama have we seen? Absolutely loads. A few other notable results, Les Lockmore, Castellani beat Mile Rovers. They're, they're on course for the double. My team in 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 Westmead, the Downs were beaten. They were 8-3 up at halftime. There must have been a win in that game. They lost 13-11. to Great young team, the Downs, lads. So um, keep your eye out for them. Not a young manager. So my team, the Downs, my team, Ken Mayer, my team in my hurling team in, in Cork, Sarsfields were beaten. Um, lovely young forward line there. So they were beaten um, by their close rivals, Aaron Zone. Um, so that's another that's another notable notable one in Leash. Another notable result is Rose and Alice, um, who beat Boris Kilcotton this time. The two another favourite for the championship. So not only did they knock uh, cameras out, they go beat Boris Kilcotton now. So they um, have ensured that Boris Kilcotton have to play Red Downey in the semi final, which they would have been kept apart. And Rose and Alice now play Clock Balakala. So like I mean, I don't know, Conan. Like I mean, this show has become impossible. I'm starting to think a hurling show and football show need to be split out to. To get everything, it's fantastic time of the year, and again, we're only at—we're not even at county. We're only—we're only starting. We've only had two or three county finals to start off with. Like, I mean, the next few weeks are going to be fantastic before inter-county season starts. I can see the hurling fans around the country now just nodding and saying, "Please," when you're saying "split." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we're well, losing. Like- we're- we're losing track of your teams, Willie, as well. Like that's when you know we have to start. Uh, <laughs> can, we, can we publish a full list of them? Like I want to know who your team is in every county. Well, I kind of call. I have a girl for a team at the start of the year, but my teams don't do well. So if you hear that I'm rooting for you, you, you know you're pretty much finished. Like pretty much is is what we can take from this. It's very <laughs> rare. It's very rare a team that I like ever wins anything. Um, Right, one other bit of news, lads, before we finish up is that obviously today is September the 14th. Intercounty squads can start training again today. So there's loads of players available now, obviously, to the to most most counties are at, at county final stage. I think we're going to be starting seeing county finals ticking heavy for the next two or three weeks. Um, and, and happily enough, the GEA confirmed on Saturday that the intercounty season will go ahead. And they need some financial assistance. So there we are, Conan. Like I mean, we're looking at a situation where so much was uncertain. We've had the we've had the the you know the worry that the club season won't go ahead, went ahead behind closed doors. Now we know that the intercounty season will go ahead. And RT Sports are under are reporting this morning that they're going to change the spectator ban as well. So 500 can get in at club level and 5,000 for larger venues like Croke Park or the Aviva Stadium. So, like, I mean, it looks like the penny is dropping with Netfet and the government that let's start living with this and don't punish sport. Yeah, and you can get a few thousand to Ballycastle anyway if you're if you're struggling for a club. For a club. <laughs> But but um yeah like that's good. I actually think if if it all works out to plan, hopefully it doesn't change. But the GA will have played this perfectly. Like, you know the, the club game or the, the club game coming first is good. Obviously, it put the attention, give them the spotlight, and it's been it's been class like the championships. But the county game coming second now has allowed more supporters to come back in, and if if they can get five thousand into games, then they're going to make a bit of money that that's really badly needed. So if it all pans out like that, it will have played brilliantly for the GA. 
Yeah. So, like, I mean, without finishing on a, on a note giving out, there's still an awful lot of contradictions in this whole thing, um, Connor. So, as August the 18th, supporters were banned. So, you know, the new cases with this coronavirus has been, you know, rocketing since. Counties have gone into localised lockdown. Dublin looked like they're next for a local lockdown. Now they're going to allow 5,000 into larger venues. Like, I mean, you know, Dr. Ronan Glynn cared about what, what supporters did before and after matches. Has that all gone by the wayside? Is that being forgotten about now? When there's going to be a bit of consistency with the decisions being made? Like, are the 500 allowed at club level? Are they in a local club ground? Or what, like, if, if Leash play in a Moore Park, 5,000 can go. But if the county final is in a Moore Park, there's only 500 allowed. There's still an awful lot up in the air. There's still an awful lot of frustration at how these people, as far as I'm concerned, seem to be making it up as they go along. We were in a much better position in August the 18th than we are now you know, as regards the the control over new cases. And now all of a sudden they're changing it back that now supporters are OK. And now will Dr. Ronan Glynn be even challenged on how come it's OK now? You know, wh- what's going on here? Like, why is this all changing at the drop of a hat and there's no consistency to what's going on? Yeah, and it's it's those contradictions with, with, with which kind of, you know, it, it kind of, it, it raises valid questions, but it like it, it makes people, you know, you're you're not as content to go along with the message as you were maybe at the start, where you understood no. what you were doing, and there wasn't as many contradictions and stuff, and you could accept it if it was all for the greater good. Whereas you've just mentioned the timeline there of about three weeks where where they've been flip flopping on numbers and all that sort of stuff, and 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 designations related to certain grounds. I was reading that, so it was like I saw that you're still you're allowed five hundred at club level, but you're allowed five thousand at grounds like Crow Park and the Aviva Stadium. So obviously Crow Park is the biggest ground in the country, but like there's county grounds that have, you know, the same capacity as the Viva Stadium. So 5,000 are going to be permitted at, you know, uh, may, maybe say a rugby match at the Aviva. Why aren't, why wouldn't 5,000 be allowed at a county final? Now I know that's probably to do with the, you know, the, the, the attendance for a rugby match would normally be a full house at the Aviva Stadium, whereas it mightn't be for a county ground at at uh, county final, but that, but still. It, it's that's irrelevant, still, really. I know, but that's, that's what I mean. It's irrelevant. It still raises a valid question that, that that the numbers are just being flipped out of thin air, really, as opposed to any logic really behind them. But I suppose the one saving grace is that, like, if this, if we are granted this tomorrow, um, uh, which they're they're due to publish this this roadmap tomorrow, that they're we could be looking at county finals uh, in the Republic of Ireland with five hundred at them uh, over the coming weeks. And like, just as I said earlier on, I think even though it's only been four hundred people uh, up in Northern Ireland, I think that the contrast between having nobody at games at all and four hundred has been massive. So if we see that, uh, if we if we get to see that at county finals over the next few weeks, that's great. Even though they still haven't explained the contradictions in 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 the regulations that they're putting out there. Yeah, I hope they do because, like, I mean, it's not trying giving out when club supporters are finally being allowed back in. I'd be more frustrated at the teams that have won county championships without having mm. anybody there. Like, I mean, and how can they stand over that decision but say this decision's okay? And then you have the people blindly just following these people, like there's some sort of, you know, like everything they do is exactly right and they're sa- they're saving lives, etc. Anyways, listen, we'll finish on a positive. County final time, intercounty training is back. The championship's going ahead and Cheddar will be back soon for the hurling uh, supporters. <laughs> you can't leave it on a better note than that, lads. We'll be back on Thursday and we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's harder to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.